the buzz and tell me what's a happening. This is the Pyromaniac Light Podcast, episode 33. I'm your host and fantasy football guide on this journey, Pyromaniac Mo. Give me a follow over on Twitter at Pyromaniac Mo, just like it sounds. P Y R O M A N I A C M O. On Twitter, it's nothing but fantasy football insight and nonsense all the time. Before I get to today's guest, the music we heard was from 1970. We fired up the Flex Capacitor. Uh, the Kinks, Gotta Be Free. That's from an album called Lola vs. Power Man and the Money Go Round Part 1. That is a mouthful, Kinks. As always, check out the podcast at the very end, and you can hear the song in its entirety. All right, gang, just want to remind you. Head on over to pyromaniac.com. We are hard at work on the fourth version of our draft kit coming out in just a few weeks. Guys, for 20 bones, you get over 20 tabs of mass fantasy football destruction delivered to you. Once you buy it, you will automatically receive the updates upon release. I regularly use the draft kit during the season, so it's not something you just put and shelve. Uh, once September rolls around, you can still use many of the tabs. I regularly do. Now, if you also want uh, some other cool things going on over at Pyromaniac, sign up for a Pyro Pro membership. Here you get direct access to the Mindshare, meaning you can ask us any questions, trade questions, uh, dynasty questions, two-quarterback leagues, uh, waiver wire pickups, uh, draft analysis, whatever you got, bring it on. We will answer it for you. Plus, you get the news feeds regularly updated, a resource toolbox packed with data and stats. Plus, you get 100 guys that you can enter. So if you're in multiple leagues like most of us, Pyro has you covered. Plug in your guys. You're going to get our weekly rankings with the se once the season starts. You're going to get uh, pickup suggestions, uh, news on any of these guys, how we feel about their matchup for the week. It is an awesome tool that is at pyromaniac.com, Pyro Pro, and, of course, our draft kit. Now, guys, one way you can help the show. Maybe you're new to us. We, uh, we just moved to Blog Talk. We're having a great time there. Maybe you just catch, uh, caught the show. Head on over to iTunes. Leave us a review. It does help us immensely. Here is a recent review from Matty Nice. Gave us five stars. Uh, May 29th, 2016. Because I'm two hours into the Tears podcast and at the part where they said to review the show, I actually went and did it. Thanks for the beers, sweat, and tears. Thank you, Matty. That is exactly what we need, guys. So, it's a sign. You heard me read a review of a guy who left a review, so you go leave a review. All right, gang. Uh, as I said, I've got a, a doozy for you today. You know him. You love him. NFL scout David T. Thomas. Now, I got to know Dave last year uh, when I interviewed him. And we formed a very good relationship over the year, contacting each other back and forth. Now, without exaggeration, guys, this interview that I did last year has been the most requested guest I've ever had a fantasy football talk with to date. So pull up a log next to the old campfire because Uncle Dave is going to spin a few yarns for you. 
He's going to talk about some great old-time stories uh, from the NFL scouting road. Plus, we dive into the 12 rookie running backs that are currently being drafted. You can find more of David T. Thomas's work at nfldraftreport.blogspot.com. Plus, I'm going to be checking in with David T. on a regular basis over the summer, so good things can happen when Pyromaniac joins forces with the guys over at NFL Draft Report. So if you like what you hear today, stay tuned. We've got a bunch of fantasy goo in store for you. Again, this is Pyromaniac Mo, and without further ado, my recent fantasy football talk with Mr. David T. Thomas. All right, Pyromaniacs, as promised, a pyromaniac favorite, David T. Thomas. Now, David T. is an exceptional sports writer and talent evaluator, scouting personnel consultant for many an organization in the NFL. He now runs the sports blog, The NFL Draft Report, which can be found at nfldraftreport.sportsblog.com. David T. Thomas also runs Scouting Services. Mr. David T. Thomas, how are you, sir? Hey, I'll tell you, it's that time of the year right now. You know, your fingers start itching. You start seeing that pigskin sitting in the garage, and you're saying, when is training camp open up? I don't get much out of minicamp OTAs and uh, stuff like that. I like when they start putting the pads on. Let me see the crunches out there. I am with you, man. I'm with you. I'm all Twitter, uh, ready for the season. My son, he's he's not even two yet, and I'm trying to uh, teach him how to grip a football. <laughs> We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Now, David, I had the pleasure of talking to you last year, uh, but tell some of the pyromaniacs who might not be familiar uh, with your work where they can get a hold of your analysis and insight. Uh, Well, you mentioned the sports blog site. Actually, this is uh, my first personal foray into the Internet before that. Uh, NFLDraftScout.com, uh, Rob Rank, Frank Cooney, and I had started that site way before that. Uh, people might remember us from outside the garden and outside of Waldorf Astoria during draft day, selling our poor man's guide to the NFL draft. It's been an experience. Uh, started almost accidentally. Uh, four years old, my uncle was an NBA scout. Comes home on an airplane and brings me these football media guides. Unk. Hold on to your shorts, man. I'm going out for pads. And uh, we knew Al Davis. Al Davis actually uh, served as my godfather during my baptism. Al and my uncle went to school together over in Erasmus. Thirteen years old, I head out to California, see all the scouts sitting there with newspaper clippings in their hands, talking about the talent they're going to go out and see during the 1967 football season. I started laughing. Al asked me what I'm laughing about. I said, if this is the best your scouts could do, you're not going to be drafting right. He says, prove me wrong. Next year, Mo, I show up with a 4,000-page handwritten report. Next thing I know, the NFL brings me in to handle their draft uh, books. Next thing I know, I got the Giants. I got the Packers, Washington, Green Bay. I mean, it just started a groundswell to where I had 27 teams subscribed to our service. So if if I have my math is correct, you couldn't even drive a car, but uh, Al Davis is basically putting you to work. Well, you got to understand, I grew up in Brooklyn, so technically I was able to drive a car. I just wasn't <laughs> legally able to drive it. Yeah, gotcha. 14 years old, me and my buddies had a blast driving around in my 1963 Cadillac. <laughs> I'm sure the statute of limitations is uh, well beyond 
Uh, you're well beyond the reach of the law. Well, that's I why like I don't it. live in New York anymore. If they want to come <laughs> after me, they're going to have to send the FBI. But it's been a, an experience out there because it developed to the point where uh, all-star games, uh, the blue-gray game, I started associating with them in 1973. By 1980, I was selecting a squad. Uh, Fifteen years, I selected a squad for the uh, Hula Bowl. Uh, Coach Bob Blackman and I selected the squad over with the East-West game for several years. It was a growing factor, not only for myself, but to allow me to see how the professionals conduct their business. And David, uh, I told you over Twitter, or I'm sorry, I told you over email and uh, our conversations that you were one of the Pyromaniacs' favorites. And it's not only for your analysis and your insight on the rookies and, and the, the talent evaluation, but it's just for some of those stories. So since you've been at it for so long and, and really just a Mount Rushmore in the face of scouting, What's one of the stories that really kind of sticks out in your mind over the year? You've told me some great ones just emailing back and forth, but what's what's something that sticks out to you? One of the things I don't like doing is dealing with agents, especially when I'm selecting for all-star games. However, I had this crazy guy up in Massachusetts give me a call back in the 90s saying, I have this kid right out of high school over here. He's killing everybody in semi-pro ball. Go out to see the kid. Kid's name is Eric Swan. Hmm. So I put him in the All-America Classic, a small bowl game down in Florida. Next thing I know, I got Buddy Ryan knock, knock, knocking on my door down at the bowl game. I need to work this kid out. We need to get him in another game. Okay, coach, I'll take him over to the hula bowl. Even though technically he wasn't able to play, he practiced out there. Turn around, draft comes along. Buddy Ryan, truth to his word, six pick in the draft. He selects Eric Swan. Wow. And what was the one you were telling me? Uh, back in the day, It was uh, everybody was talking Ryan Leaf. Or uh, Peyton Manning. Oh, and what, uh, what was your take? Well, one of one of my closest contacts over the years has been Bill Polian. And Bill Polian knows I love playing uh, Dr. Watson, Sherlock Holmes combined out there. I guess you could call it my split personality. I did a lot of research on Ryan. There was a lot of stuff up at the uh, Washington State where it was being suppressed from the scouts. See, fortunately, over my years, I learned one thing. If I'm going to go on campus, I better sidle up to a campus police. Why? Because mm. they're the type of guys, you get them out in a bar, it turns into a coffee clutch, they're not going to keep any secrets. Yeah. Found out a lot about Ryan Leaf. It almost came down to a coin to us with the Colts. Could you imagine Ryan Leaf with the Colts? Could you imagine Peyton Manning with the San Diego Chargers? Philip Rivers, where would you be now? Wow. Yeah, that, it's hard to believe that decision was a, such a nail-biter, you know, with 2020 vision looking back. Now. I got so much dog from the NFL office when my report on Ryan Leaf says one day he'll wear eight digits on his jersey. Little did I know. Wow, that's fantastic. Now, uh, I have to ask, uh, I've heard many a talent evaluator, a scout, uh, kind of duped uh, Jamarcus Russell. Uh, what did you think of uh, Jamarcus Russell? I, know, never, many were duped I was never him. a Jamarcus Russell fan. You see, my big thing is, which I complain a lot to the new age scouts out there, new age scouts seem to go on campus, get their questionnaires uh, uh, filled, and go home with game film. I'm sorry, I need to see the kids' practice habits. you got to understand that, especially in college, it's usually seniority counts. The senior will play before the junior unless the junior is just buku better than the senior itself. I need to see how they conduct themselves in practice. I like guys that conduct themselves like they're in a the game. Uh, Jamarcus Russell probably complained more in his four years at the school than Donald Trump will do in a week. 
<laughs> really? And when you sit there, uh, the joke down there is, I'm not going to say what coach it was, but he's gone now. He's over at the University of Mississippi. But I asked him about Jamarcus Russell's character, and he told me, he said, Dave, if there were 100 guys in the world and his kid was killed, there'd be 101 suspects. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. I mean, well, but you look at what he did in the pros. I mean, next to nothing. He took his money and ran. And yeah. now what is he sitting out there? It's uh, uh, If he put on a sumo wrestling outfit, maybe he could get back in the ring. Yeah, he is one large man. Have uh, you noticed one thing, though, is that in the NFL, we seem to put the blinders on when it comes to quarterbacks. You know, I'm a teacher by day, David. I had my last day today. I was just having a conversation at the high school level. I think we put blinders on for quarterbacks. We we had an all-state guy a while back, and I was just talking to a teacher today about how much shenanigans this kid got away with because he was the all-star quarterback, you know? Well, look at kind of uh, look at Cook up at uh, Michigan State. I mean, that's a yeah. classic point where once the emperor was exposed without his clothes on, a first round talent slides to the fourth round in the draft. You don't want those Jay Cutlers. You don't want those headache types that are going to be a cancer in the locker room. A quarterback needs to have total control of the team, and you know, the way he's going to get it is once he earns the respect of everybody else. Yeah, I think teams are starting to get a little wise. Now, you tell me, are starting are teams starting to weigh uh, what goes on off campus, uh, stories they hear from the bars, or uh, how the kid performs with his family and friends. Is that becoming more and more important as we see so many NFL guys get in trouble these days? Yeah, we think so. But then you see a Wendell Smallwood end up being a draft that a Sean Oakman, even with all his troubles out there. Okay, Tunsil slid to number 13 in the draft, but you turn around and look at his defensive tackle roommate. It threw him under the bus over at the Combines, and still the guy goes in the first round. I mean, go figure. Yeah. One more thing, David, before we we get into uh, what we're here to talk about today, running backs. Um, But how do you think scouting has changed over the years? Are our scouts just, you know, lazier today? Uh, What's something you've seen shift over the years? I think uh, a lot of them have turned more into the thing of watching the game film itself rather than examining the players. I I think the reason behind that is there's so many more schools out there. There's so much more opportunity to see and film on the Internet or see and film on satellite than we had before. I remember when I would wait two weeks to get the statistics from a game from the university Washington or something because everything had to come in the mail. Still, it comes down to the thing. It's Everyone looks at this thing as a science, and then all of a sudden, we turn up for three days in April, and it turns into a dot board. I think we need to examine the player more. I think we need to examine the, the person of that player more, and I think we need to spend more time on campus. I like the examination of the person. I think we could all do that as a human race. Uh, could do a little self-examining a bit more. I, I remember years ago with the Raiders, it was so much fun over there. But, my God, I mean, I, I remember days there were seven, eight guys on a, a work release program. That's how bad the team was. <laughs> Still, you know, Al, it was, uh, you know, just one baby, and that's the way they went. You yeah, can't they didn't do get that, that anymore. Didn't get that reputation for nothing. Well, I mean, look at around. Look what goes on. Lawrence Phillips, God-given talent out there and uh, in jail, dead. Uh, you turn around yeah. and look at the Charles Rogers situation. Uh, you look at the Blackman situation. Look at Josh Gordon. I mean, look at the yeah. biggest blight to come out in the last bunch of years, Johnny Trademark. I mean, that's a case in point. I mean, the kid's whittling away down to the point right now. He thinks he's Tim Linson from a pitcher at 170 pounds, but... 
there's got to be some time where we sit back and say, hey, listen, we got to stay away from these guys. Yeah, you think a tipping point is coming. Mo, it, it's proven everything that they do off the field affects the locker room. I mean, look at Can- uh, Cleveland right now. I mean, that locker room looks like they're on terminal cancer. Well, one of the teams that we're going to be looking at, in fact, Pyromaniacs, uh, we're here with David T. Thomas for another Pyrolite podcast. Now, guys, if you want to help out the show at Pyro and win your fantasy football season, head over to Pyromaniac.com now. You can pick up our draft kit and even get information about becoming a Pyro Pro member. That's at Pyromaniac.com. I am Pyromaniac Mo. Give me a follow on Twitter. And I'm talking to longtime NFL scout, talent evaluator, Mr. David T. Thomas. Do yourself a favor, Pyromaniacs. Check out his work at nfldraftreport.sportsblog.com. Gang, don't go away because we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty on rookie running backs and who to take in your fantasy football draft. Stay with us. All right, as I mentioned, Pyros, we are here with NFL scout David T. Thomas. He is a, a Pyro favorite. Now, David, you're the expert. I'm along for the ride, man. I'm going to tee up some running back names for you. Uh, just so the audience is aware, I'm using the top ADP, that's the top average draft position from recent MFL 10s. So everyone is aware, if you're not familiar with MFL 10s, fantasy players, uh, we're talking about a PPR scoring, three wide receivers, two running backs, and a flex. So basically, wide receiver positions inflated a little bit, but I like it because it's real drafts with money on the line. So I'm going to be going off the, the order, the 12 rookies taken in recent MFL 10s. Of course, starting with number one, Ezekiel Elliott. Now, David, I'm going to team up for you like this. Ezekiel Elliott, currently in ADP MFL 10s. He is going in the back end of the first round. He, of course, was picked by the Dallas Cowboys, fourth overall pick. Cowboys are tied for sixth easiest in Pyro's strength of schedule. And on the depth chart, they've got McFadden, Morris, and pass catcher Lance Dunbar. David, what do you think about Ezekiel Elliott? Well, I like them picking up Rod Smith on waivers from Seattle. The reason behind that is Elliott operates best when he's got a great lead back. And you look at that offensive line that they got. Tyrone Smith or Lyle Collins, Zach Mott, and uh, Travis Frederick and Doug Free. I think it's the best offensive line in pro football right now. You look at Darren McFadden. This is a guy that was a broken wheel, whether he was at Oakland, wherever he hung out in the NFL. He just did not live up to promise. And he runs for 1,089 yards last year. Elliott is not only a great inside runner, he's got that burst of speed, that lateral cutting ability there like on the outside. He's a fantastic receiver coming out of the backfield. I look at Ezekiel, and he reminds me a lot, a lot of uh, Forte. I, I see what he does as a receiver, and if you look around the NFL right now, it's crucial that your running back can catch the ball. It adds another element to your quarterback's passing game. David, let me ask you this. With the Ezekiel Elliott pick, uh, I've heard both sides of the fence on this debate. Do you think, being that Dallas has a line that can elevate, like you said, a guy like Darren McFadden, who uh, averaged 4.6 last year, according to Rotowire, behind that line, do you think Ezekiel Elliott was a good pick? 
Or could they have elevated almost uh, any running back much later in the draft and, and spent it at a higher need elsewhere? Honestly, outside of Ezekiel, there was no running back I would take even in the first two rounds. I look at Ezekiel as more of a complete back out there. I look at the other guys more complimentary. You go look at the, ne- uh, the next guy that we're going to talk about, and I'll get into that issue. But what you're looking at right now with that offensive line, and with Tony Romo sort of turning into Venus to Milo, he can't keep his arms on his body. If they have to go to a more ground-oriented game next year, you got Elliott, you got McFadden, you got Alfred Morris. I mean, you got guys that could give Elliott a breather. You got guys that have started before that have rushed for over a thousand yards. It's going to be, if I was uh, stealing from the SMU Mustangs, uh, the Pony Express might be coming back with big boys. So do you think, though, they should have spent the pick at another position, a, a greater source of need, or do, are you happy that the Dallas Cowboys took the best running back? I mean, unless Deshaun Watson was in this draft at quarterback, because I'm not a Carson Wentz or Jared Goff fan, what did they need on offense? They needed a quarterback. You couldn't find a quarterback. You might as well do the best thing. If you can't get a guy to throw the ball, man, get a guy to run with it. All right, well, uh, another big runner that you alluded to, Derek Henry. Folks, he's going uh, in ADP MFL 10th. Uh, fourth pick, the eighth round now, of course, taken by the Tennessee Titans. Uh, second round in the NFL draft. The Titans, according to Pyromaniac's strength of schedule, fourth easiest running back schedule next year. Now, on that depth chart, of course, he's behind DeMarco Murray. Now, after Elliott on that roster, there's a hodgepodge of guys. Antonio Andrews, David Cobb, Bishop Sankey. Dexter McCluster. Uh, They're running some exotic smash mouth, David. I'm not sure what that is, but what do you think of Derrick Henry with the Titans? I did not like that pick. Uh, The reason behind it is I thought Antonio Andrews uh, deserved to get in there and show what he could do on a full-time basis. Uh, They totally, totally destroyed the confidence factor in Bishop Sankey. It wouldn't surprise me if he ends up with either the Eagles or the Redskins before this is all over with. But you go out, you get the Marco Murray, you bring him in, and now you got Derrick Henry. Henry is much better than Murray, but what you're going to have is a baby bull backfield if Henry starts because you're going to have him and Fowler go tight. Uh, what I look at him, though, I don't like the way he runs. He runs too erect going through that hole. There was a reason he didn't start till this year, and it wasn't because of a seniority basis. This is a guy that if you look at his, his yardage last year, do you know that 40% of his yardage came in the fourth quarter? Do you know that when he gained that 40% of his yardage was nothing more than trying to get him the Heisman Trophy because most of those games were blowouts? Yeah. Five minutes on the clock and you're 30, minutes, uh, you're 30 points ahead. I don't want to see a guy trying to break free outside, on, uh, on an outside run. Well, how much do you think Derrick Henry is going to eat into DeMarco Murray's time, maybe even in the red zone? Well, here's the thing. I think DeMarco Murray right now is like Swiss cheese. There's a lot of holes in this game. There was a reason why Philadelphia got him out. Okay, they say it was more raw field over there, but he just didn't gel with that offense. Uh, DeMarco, you made a terrible mistake when you left Pokes land. With that offensive line, that's what really made him. Yeah. Now, the third guy going in – uh, current MFL 10s uh, was one of the guys that I think you had rated third. I, I think actually going in MFL 10s right now, they've got it exactly how you had it rated. That's uh, Kenneth Dixon. He's going in the eighth round, back of the eighth round in MFL 10s. He, of course, was drafted by Baltimore, 36th pick of the NFL fourth round. 
Baltimore's got a, a middle-of-the-road schedule for strength of schedule against uh, for running backs, 20th easiest. Now, many folks see this as a nice fit. Dixon considered one of the better pass catchers, if not the best pass catcher out of this year's draft. Um, good marriage with Mark Tressman. And Baltimore, though, they got a crowded backfield. Justin Forsett, Buck Allen going into his second year, Lorenzo Taliaferro. Uh, plus, there's Terrence West and even the ghost of Trent Richardson. So what do you think about Kenneth Dixon and his options in Baltimore? Yeah, Trent Richardson claims that uh, with the Baltimore Ravens, he'll end up going in the Hall of Fame. Trent, the only bust you're going to have is your career. <laughs> <laughs> but you go back and you look. I mean, 641 yards from Forsett, 514 yards from Allen. What the both of them have uh, that uh, even tells me that they could be a starter down the road, neither one of them. Temrance West got booted out of Cleveland, bounced around the league, and then settled in with Baltimore. Yep. What you get with Kenneth Dixon is another Forte type, another Steven Jackson type. I don't think there's a better pass catcher in this rookie crop than Kenneth Dixon right now. My only knock on him is hold on to that ball, son. When you got nine fumbles last year, eight times you turned the ball over, uh, maybe you shouldn't put that butter on your bagel in the morning. <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was even catching some passes from the wide receiver spot or out of the slot in college, wasn't he? Oh, definitely, because this is the type of guy that they lined up a lot in motion. They used him as an H-back. They, uh, H-back. they used him in the slot. This is the type of guy, uh, the joke on him, though, is, uh, Coach, if you need me to get your five yards, I'll get you five yards. Coach, if you need me to get your seven yards, I'll get you five yards. Hmm. He's not going to be that type of guy that you're going to sit out there and see a home run threat coming from. But if you need a chain mover, he'll do it for you. He's very durable. Do you see him uh, winning that position outright towards the end of the season? Uh, You know, the problem with that, with him possibly winning that out, I think there's a sleeper there that's going to eke into a lot of people's playing time. Thank you, uh, Annapolis, for letting him loose because I always said Keenan Reynolds, if he ever got in this league, would be exciting. He would be a Mercury Morris type of back. I think in third back issues, you would see Kenneth Dixon and Reynolds lining up into the backfield, especially in passing situations. I like the Reynolds situation. Why? Because the Wildcat now is an element that they could have coming out of the backfield, even though he didn't throw the ball much over at Navy. Just to have a guy back there with the capabilities of throwing the ball, third down duties, I want to see Reynolds on the field. Yeah, and that could go in a, a Trustman offense. He runs a pretty gadget-oriented, pretty tricky offense. I, I could see him using that. Well, you know, years ago was you need your featured back. Now everybody does running back by committee. So if you're not going to have that guy that's able to do everything for you, find how can I put it, the qualities in the player rather than looking for the things that he does wrong and try to capitalize on those qualities. The big thing with Reynolds is speed. The big thing with Reynolds is he knows where the end zone is. The good thing with him is he's shown during the, the postseason he's highly capable of being a good pass catcher. Some teams were even looking at him as a wide receiver. Oh. Now, speaking of uh, the wide receiver position, the, the next guy taken in MFL 10s, this is the fourth rookie running back taken in MFL 10s, uh, going about in the middle of the ninth round for his ADP. We're talking about C.J. Procise, uh, drafted by the Seahawks, third round, 27th pick. Seattle's got a nice SOS. By that, I mean strength of schedule. You can check out our strength of schedule and Pyromaniac's draft kit. Seattle has the third 
easiest, looking good for ProSize. Now, he has got an injured Rawls at the top of the depth chart, and of course, Christine Michael holds a tentative spot number two, according to Rotowire. How do you like CJ ProSize? Unless Beast Mode turns around and says, I'm coming back. ProSize, this is his opportunity of grabbing a job. You know why? He's a Rolls Royce with so little mileage on a speedometer. And the reason behind yeah. that is if Falston wasn't hurt last uh, August for Notre Dame, ProSize would have been their slot receiver. Chris yeah. Brown would have been on the bench. You look at what he did as a receiver during his career, but then you have to look at the running ability. He's still young. He doesn't have yeah. those things over there. I mean, nine starts last year for 1,032 yards, plus he's coming in with 55 receptions over the last two seasons. Yeah, I think he can make a definite impact just uh, third down. I, I'm uh, very concerned with the guys that are ahead of him. Uh, Michael and Rolls on the depth chart. I just don't think Rolls is a type of guy that I want to be my featured running back. Same thing with Michael. Michael with his off-field issues uh, probably yeah. scares me more than what he does on the field. But also you look on the field, a lot of times, especially when it comes to pass protection, this guy's head is not on a swivel, and I need that from my back over there, if not being you know, Russell Wilson's going to get a few bumps and bruises. So if you put the two in a, in a dead contest, CJ Procise, Rawls, you're taking Procise. Yeah, but I'm also looking at the other two rookies that they brought in over here. I'm wondering if Rawls and Michael are even going to make it into September. Alex Collins, if he didn't run so bad yeah. during the, the the postseason, this was a guy that people were looking at a two or a three. Then you've got a sorely misused back coming out of Clemson because of Wayne Gallman over there and Zach Brooks. His Zach's similar to ProSize. He doesn't have that many carries in his thing, but he's a great special teams player. Do I want to gamble with Rawls, a guy that was a free agent pickup for me in 15 that's banged up? Do I want to gamble on Michael, who has a long history of off-field issues? I'm going to have to keep one of them. I can't go with three rooks in my backfield. Yeah, and I love ProSize being a Notre Dame fan. Got to see him play. Uh, he, he's one of my favorite picks, guys, to watch. And I think he could do well, though I'm worried about that offensive line there in Seattle. Uh, yeah, you know, the big thing with Seattle is they've never had a great offensive line, but losing Russell Okung, even though he was hurt so much, Alan Alder and the MASH unit were following him around in the locker room. I'm just <laughs> not biting on the thing of moving Justin Britt over the center because, one, it weakens you at the left guard position. And if you look at them, they're a, pred a predominantly left-side running team. So now you've got Gilliam uh, stepping in at left tackle. You've got Glowinski stepping in at left guard. Uh, if the over and under on that team, I'm going to go with the under. All right. Well, you know, speaking of the old mass shows, uh, they tell me that suicide is painless, <laughs> according to that. Uh, well, that suicide is painless. Somebody ought to get a hold of Johnny Manziel so we could end it for him. I like it, man. Every day I turn on TMZ, that, that man's making news. I mean, between him and Donald Trump, you know, you got to watch TV with your eyes closed. That is Hot Takes here on Pyromaniac, and I am Pyromaniac Mo talking to David T. Thomas about some rookie running backs. Of course, this is David's specialty, longtime NFL scout. Uh, once again, guys, follow me on Twitter at Pyromaniac Mo, and check out David T. Thomas's work at nfldraftreport.sportsblog.com. We still have a bunch of rookie running backs to talk about, so stay tuned.
All right, gang, we're back with David T. Thomas, NFL scout and talent evaluator, and we're talking rookie running backs today. Uh, if things go well, we're going to be talking to David T. often, getting his take on the rookies entering the NFL and later on in the season be doing some some um, camp analysis. Let us know what's what's hot, who's not on the NFL scene. Now, David, we've been talking running backs, rookie running backs, and I want to get to one. We just talked ProSize. I want to get to one, Jonathan Williams. He is going 11th pick in the 11th round in ADP for MFL 10s. He, of course, was taken by the Buffalo Bills, who I thought already had a running back by committee. Now they've got running back by community with all these guys. Of course, he is sitting fourth on the depth chart behind McCoy, Carlos Williams, and Mike Gillisley. What do you think about Jonathan Williams? My jury's out on him. The reason behind it is I still don't think that leg is healed right. I, I This was the type of guy that I felt that should have returned to school. He had an opportunity of doing it. Yeah. And then you look over there, though. They're injured. Uh, you know, LaShawn McCoy is injured. But it's one of those pickups that's a little strange for me. The reason behind that, you got Carlos Williams. I think if they give yeah. this kid that ball, I mean, look at what happened with him in college. They bounced him between both sides of the ball. You, con- you let him concentrate on being a tailback. does not matter if McCoy comes back or not. Williams will be their man over there. Well, when you go down and you look at it, though, you know, they used a fifth-round draft pick on Jonathan Williams. When I'm coming up in the third day of the draft, that's what I'm looking for. Am I going to get the Jonathan Williams from 2014? If they get that, then you got Williams and Williams. you got your law firm running the ball for you. If not, well, it was a fifth-round draft pick. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the, the um, Carlos Williams. Uh, he had you know eight games with at least one touchdown uh, or 100 yards last year. Well, you go look at Arizona. I mean, they didn't know what they had in David Johnson, and now you look at it yep. him and Williams. I think you know. I don't play fantasy football, but I do judge what's going on in fantasy football. If I'm picking up an RB in this draft, these are two guys that I'm looking at. Why? Because these are the guys I could get later on in that draft, and I know these two are going to explode this year. Yeah, uh, certainly DJ is going very early. I've got him ranked really high in my top two, I believe, top three. And uh, Carlos Williams is uh, one of the guys who I thought was so impressive last year. Of course, he still has McCoy there. Um, I think Carlos Williams, really, if they give him a chance, uh, can can tackle the majority of that work there in Buffalo. LaShawn, open up your trap and watch Rex sing into the locker room. Why? Because he's got his boy KW ready to carry the ball. I like it. You and I are of the same mind on that one. Now, David, help me out on this next one here. Oh, boy, you got – I was biting my bit on that one. That's my favorite guy. De- Devontae Booker. Yeah. As well, so one of my favorite guys is C.J. Anderson for the, the ADP price, and Booker is very much like a C.J. Anderson. Of course, they've also got the, – we're talking about uh, Denver. They've got C.J. Anderson. They've got Hillman. They've got Juwan Thompson. But lots of people talking about Devontae Booker. Folks, he's going in MFL 10s in the 12th round. Denver's got the 17th easiest strength of schedule. 
Uh, Devontae Booker often compared to C.J. Anderson or Jeremy Langford. Of course, he was taken in the fourth round, 38th pick by Denver. David T., uh, what do you say about Devontae Booker? Terrell Davis, you have come back. You have come back inside Mr. Booker's body. I don't care what Anderson. He's going to be sitting on the sidelines, counting on that big paycheck at least for a year. Ronnie Hilming, you're one and done. Capri Bibbs, you're not even going to have a a job when a a training camp ends. (laughs) Devontae Booker, to me is the wild card. Devontae Booker, if that leg holds up over here, folks, I would put him in my top three for rookie of the year. Why? You look at that offensive line that they have, especially with Okung coming in. You look at the style of play that he does. You know, he reminds me of Terrell Davis. And that's a lot for me to say because I always said years ago they missed the boat on Terrell and look what Terrell did. Booker's the same way. If it wasn't for the injury, this kid would have probably been one of the top three RBs off the board. He was our top-rated senior till the knee went out on him. John Elway, you went to Vegas, man, you rolled sevens. You took the seventh running back in the draft, man, and you're going to be smiling like a Cheshire cat from year to year. All right. Hot takes with David T. Thomas. And, folks, once again, Devontae Booker, he's going at 12th round. ADP in MFL 10s could be a gem of the draft. Now, next guy. Uh, a lot of folks liking him, too. Going to Chicago, I'm not a big Langford fan. Could we fan. get back on Booker for one thing before we Absolutely. cut away, especially you, for your fantasy guys? I yeah. talked about how good Dixon is as a receiver coming out of the book field. Booker is just a nanosecond underneath him. Look at his last two wow. years, 80 receptions for this guy. This guy is a fantastic ball carrier. And not only that, the thing that I loved last year, started 10 games last year. This son of a gun had 76 knockdown blocks. 76 knockdown blocks. I mean, that tells me right ahead that whoever ends up, if it's Lynch or Sanchez or anybody, a quarterback, they're going to be well protected in their pocket. Well, I was going to say, does the lack of clarity at the quarterback position give you a pause on Booker's uh, rookie year at all? No, because a matter of fact, it it intrigues me even more to take him if I was a fantasy footballer. Why? Because that quarterback situation is a little muddled. When it's muddled, what do you do? If you can't air it out, you go to the ground. And with those three running backs over there, you'll see Booker will get more and more playing time because out of the three, no one could catch the ball as good as he does. Wow, and uh, once again, Pyromaniacs, he's going in 12th round in MFL 10s, which of course is PPR, and David D. saying likes Booker for a pass catcher. If he's going 12, man, remember that saying, cheaper by the dozen. I like it. I like it. Another guy going in the 12th round just behind Devontae Booker, talking Jordan Howard, drafted by the Chicago Bears. Uh, early in the fifth round. Now, Chicago has a top 10 strength of schedule, ninth easiest for the running back position. Of course, their depth chart. They've got Langford, who I am not a fan of. I went back, I watched all his touches from last year. Didn't see much except maybe one or two really big runs that he made a name for himself. Then, of course, they got Kadeem Carey, Jaquiz Rogers, and then, of course, Howard. Uh, now, you guys pegged him as, as a perhaps a, a sleeper potential. Uh, what do you think of Jordan Howard? Love the kid. Big, bruising back, Steven Jackson type of ball player. He didn't, does, his big knock, though, is he's not a great pass catcher coming out of the backfield. Now, Langford, you've got to look at Langford, too. Langford bounced around a wide receiver and cornerback before he settled in at running back. He really only had one year as a starter there. He's much stronger going into camp this year. He put on 15 pounds during the offseason, so let's not 
you know, put him on the side and think that Howard's going to come in. I think Howard will be a good short yardage back for him, much better than Kadeem Carey. I mean, Kadeem Carey is so slow. If he was in a race with a pregnant woman, he'd come in third. But <laughs> yeah, I think that it'd be a good complimentary back having a two Big Ten guys sharing time in the backfield. Now, you mentioned he, um, Langford putting on weight. Of course, big topic in the NFL with uh, Eddie Lacy. Do you like a guy that changes his body type from year to year, or does it really just depend on the guy? Well, you got to understand one thing with Langford. When Langford showed up in training camp, uh, for his senior year, he expected to play wide receiver then at Michigan State. All of a sudden, they say, we're thrusting you into the backfield. Okay, coach. So he didn't have that time, that offseason, to build his body to running back style. Yeah. Right after the season was over, with, he had the all-star games, the combines, the workouts for the teams. You really don't want to put on that weight during that time because you're afraid it's going to affect your speed. I got a clock him right now with him over at OTAs that he ran a four four six the other day. So if a guy's running four four six at two hundred eighteen pounds, I'm impressed. Oh. Uh, you might have warmed me up to Langford a bit there, David. I think this is a sleeper type of guy. Do I look at him as the solution to replacing Forte? No, but I think that there's elements in his game where he could contribute and contribute well. However, when I'm looking at short yardage, when I'm looking at grounding it up the middle of the field, Howard brings a whole lot more to my uh, to my table than Langford would there. So Howard could steal some red zone touches? Yeah, I'm seeing that. I'm seeing this is going to be uh, those two sharing a lot of time. Kadeem finding himself on the unemployment line, and Jack has Rogers just sticking around as a, a special teams type. Yeah, need the special teamers. A lot of guys make their hay there. Oh, that's the name of the game, especially today. Yeah, absolutely. Now, next up, uh, a guy who got drafted by a team, I, I'm really, has piqued my interest, DeAndre Washington. He's going early in the 14th round in MFL 10s, of course. Oakland took him in the NFL draft early in the fifth round, fourth pick. Now, they've got a middle of the road strength of schedule as well, tied for 20th easiest. Now, DeAndre Washington, he's already sitting at number two on the depth chart behind Latavius Murray, and from what I'm reading, a pretty improved offensive line. So what do you think about Oakland, Washington, and even Murray? Well, let's slip away a little bit. Fantasy football players, even uh, football guys, even though you're hurt, uh, even though he's hurt, if he's there, you got to take that tight end, Clyde Walford. I think he's the biggest sleeper at the tight end position in the draft. Now, I like to pick up a Washington. Reason why? He comes out of a Red Raider program that throws the ball in their sleep. They don't even know what a freaking running back is. You go back and look at this guy. The last time they had a thousand yard rusher in back to back years was Brian Hansford. That was 1995, 1996. Mm -hmm. Kid shows up, man. Look what he did last year, 1,492 yards. Has very good speed. The surprising thing, though, is here's a guy coming out of a program known for throwing the ball, and he had probably more drops last year than he had catches. David, uh, talk to some other talent evaluators and drops. Do they concern you as much? Oh, most definitely. Uh, I would could be more concerned with a drop on a carry, though, than a drop on a reception because usually right. on a drop on a reception, it's an incompletion. A drop on a carry, hey, it's a fumble, and it's uh, Keystone Cops, everybody into the pile. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember the NFL Follies, uh, some of those 
Well, I think the, the Washington the speed factor is probably going to put Taiwan Jones on the bubble. You know, Jones got right. tremendous speed. Honestly, I thought Jones should have been a cornerback when they drafted him anyway. He was a cornerback coming out of Eastern Washington until his senior year. But uh, I just don't see if Murray goes down. And remember one thing, Murray is not exactly known for his durability. You go back even when he was in college, he was banged up quite a bit. So to have another back like Washington, yes. Um, I will look at this team to look at the waiver wires, though, to pick up a veteran down the road. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to be using Murray. I mean, who uses a running back for more than you know 250 carries at all anymore unless you're Adrian Peterson, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, but I think they're going to taper down on Murray's touches. They just don't think he can handle handle the abuse, correct? Well, the thing, too, is look at his uh, lack of success with those carries. I mean, only 18% of his carries last year went for first downs. Wow. And, you know, when yeah. I got a running back, I need my running back to bring me at least 23 to 27% of your carries are going to be first downs. Hmm. That's an interesting stat to look at. I what always – the whole thing is how – what do you, what's your goal to score, right? But how do you get, go about doing it? You move the chain 10 yards. Yeah. Yeah, you can't score uh, unless you're moving those chains, getting those first downs. And for all his speed, he only had nine runs over 20 yards last year. You go look at uh, Washington. Washington had 12. Uh, hmm. Neither one of these guys are going to be blazing speed types, but they got enough out there. They got that juking ability. They'll be a good complement for each other, but they still need one more back in that backfield. Well, and from everything I'm reading, the offensive line is looking good, and I remember you talking up Walford last year. I love Walford. Walford is a tough son of a gun. Reminds me of Dicker when Dicker was playing the game. What about another running back? Uh, also going in the 14th round, a lot of these guys are, are late rounders in MFL 10s. I'm talking Wendell Smallwood. He was taken in the fifth round by the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles are boasting a 12th easiest strength of schedule next year. Now, I love me some Ryan Matthews uh, for his value this 2016 NFL fantasy season. Of course, the Eagles, they've also got Sproles, but there are trade talks with him. They've got Kenyon Barner, but Smallwood uh, could be a decent handcuff for Ryan Matthews. Oft injured, as much as I love Ryan Matthews, Smallwood could see some playing time. What do you think about Wendell Smallwood? I think he's going to make the team, at least. I think that uh, the sleeper there is going to be Bonner. Everybody that I've been talking to during OTAs and everything, uh, Connor Bowen tells me point blank, he says, listen, you got to see this kid that we got over here. Something's going to happen. And the strange thing is he was brought into the organization by his old coach. I see Darren Sproles out of town. Uh, Darren Sproles, to me, more than likely looks like a trade. From what I'm hearing is Detroit's been sniffing around on the Sproles situation. Really? I don't think that Matthews is the type of guy that I could be confident that he could stay healthy on on the field, but I do love his production. I mean, get back to the first downs again. 30.2% of his carries last year were for first downs. Well, a lot of footballers are really split, fantasy footballers are really split on Ryan Matthews. Like you say, I love his production on the field, he's being, he's kind of being a forgotten man looked over for the amount of touches. I think he can get uh, really looked over uh, represents a great value in fantasy. But like you say, he's not going to stay on the field. That's why a lot of people are looking to find out who is the number two there. If, if Matthews goes down, who's it going to be? And I hear you saying Kenyon Barner. Uh, the thing is, I look at Wendell Smallwood. Honestly, he should have stayed in school. One, the kid has a track record off the field that made him slide down that far. Me, 
personally, I'm glad he came out because my sleeper running back next year is the guy that backed him up, the guy that was frustrated and didn't get to play, Rashawn Shell. I think a lot of people yeah. are going to see a lot out of Rashawn next year for the Mountaineers. Well, Pyromaniacs, stay tuned. David T is going to be uh, giving us some info, uh, even looking into that uh, crystal ball as to see what's going to be happening in some college next year as well. Now, back to the NFL rookies. Paul Perkins, here's another 14th rounder in MFL 10s. Remember, I'm talking early June. Of course, taken by the Giants, 10th pick of the fifth round. Giants, Again, top 10 strength of schedule for the running back. They are tied for sixth. Now, God, I love the Gi- these ratings, though, Mo. I mean, if these were the ratings out there, I'd be. I play fantasy football with you guys and act like the Statue of Liberty. You could be a tie. You're pouring your own wanted. I mean, if you got, if they got Perkins down that far, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. This kid's a second coming to Tickney Barber. This is another great ba- uh, running back out of the backfield. Him and Andre Williams hold the key for the New York Giants this year. Jennings is a good player. No no knock on that, but I see Jennings is a one and done. The future over here, if his knee holds up, Andre Williams. I mean, this is a guy that was challenging for the Heisman Trophy a couple of years ago before he blew out his knee over at Boston College. Perkins is a youngster. Perkins is the type of kid that only has one year of starting experience under the belt. Like I say, a speedometer is one thing, but I like to see the mileage under the hood. Well, and with the thing with New York, they've got Vereen there. So Perkins is kind of capped on his touches, is he not? Even if he wins the job uh, with Williams, although I'm not a big Williams fan, but even if he wins the job, they're still going to pass it to Vereen, right? Vereen gets hurt coming out of his bed in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so do I, David. So yeah, I know, I. but for us, it's old age. For him, it's like, you know... <laughs> I, I, I think that, you know, where other people have like uh, Shane Vereen and then at the end of the name JR, I think for Shane Vereen, they just sort of give him the trophy and put IR. <laughs> yeah. Now, Pyromaniacs, we are here with David T. Thomas. And David, there's one guy left, but I have a, a few guys for you. There's one guy left being taken in MFL 10s, fantasy players. Uh, that's Kenyon Drake. He is actually the last man listed going in the 15th round, taken by Miami Dolphins, third rounder. He, uh, Miami has the most difficult running back schedule next year. Of course, he's got uh, Adam Gase as his coach there now. Uh, Jay Ajayi, Damian Williams are the two in front of Drake. But what do you think about Kenyon and his possibility of getting on the field? 1997 Chevy Monte Carlo Supersport. And while I'll say that, here's the thing. Years ago, I bought that car. Oh, my God, did I love that car. I loved it so much, I bought another one. I kept it in my garage for 24 years, just sitting in my garage with six miles on it. The other car finally went on me last month. Boom. The other one comes out and takes its place. Henry ahead of him. Richardson ahead of him. Irving ahead of him. Everybody ahead of him. Kenyon Drake rarely got his chance to carry the ball. Now he's staring at uh, a running back over there that has no cartilage in either one of his knees. What an ideal situation for you to be in as a third-round draft pick. So, uh, Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake deserved to start down at Alabama. His problem down there, he was only a four-star recruit and had to deal with the five-star guys, the Lacys, the Henrys, and them all. I don't see J.A.J. holding up this year. I mean, it's a case yeah. in point where once that yeah, those legs go on him again, that's going to be it for him. 
And for yeah. you to just sit out there and hand the guy that and not have much depth. I mean, you're looking at his Isaiah P., Daniel Thomas, Damian Williams. Oh, my God. If I'm King on Drake right now, man, it's like uh, when Coach calls for the first unit, I'm running out there just so there's 12 men on the field. <laughs> All right, well, that's Kenyon Drake, folks, and he's going the last man in MFL 10s. But, David, T. Thomas, I got a few more for you. One guy I'm kind of thinking about as a flyer is Keith Marshall from Georgia. Of course, he got taken by the Redskins in the uh, seventh round. They've got Matt Jones. They've got Chris Thompson. Now, Roto-Wire lists Mac Brown ahead of Marshall, but to me, Marshall is a great talent. We're talking about the fastest 40 time at the Combine. 4.31. Of course, everybody's shying away from him. Speaking of Ajayi and his injury, everybody's shying away from Marshall from his injury. But didn't he prove he's past his injury by showing us a 4.3140? Aren't the injury concerns put to bed with Keith Marshall? Well, you look around the NFL, not for long. So if you're going to go with that philosophy, most definitely. I don't think Matt Jones even deserves to start out there. I mean, Matt showed that he was able to fade away last season. Hey, you look at a guy, he had 3.4 yards of carry. Whoop-de-doo, I'm not going to get happy over that. Now, on top of the thing, he put the ball on the ground five times. Four times, the defense picked it up and scored. I, I, you look at Chris Thompson behind him, Mac Brown. These guys are not going to hold a candle to Keith Marshall if he remains healthy, and that's a big if. Go back and look what happened with him and Todd Gurley when they were freshmen down at Georgia. It was Keith Marshall that was the man two years of sitting out there with the knee. If that leg could hold out, this is one big power back. This is a guy that you sit out there, you lost out for Morris, big deal. I got a faster, bigger, younger version. Well, and speaking of Matt Jones, I just tweeted this out. Uh, one thing I did tweet out um, was Matt Jones. This comes from the all-in kid, but uh, weeks 13 through 15, 46 carries, uh, but only averaged three point zero yards per carry. That was Matt Jones in his uh, weeks 13 through 15 last year. I know it's a small sample size, but goodness gracious, 3.0 yards per carry and 46 totes. You see a lot of these guys, especially the running backs, they put their yardage up early in the year and near the end. What is it, man? It's sort of like back in the 1970s and you're in that big car of yours, you're out of gas. And that's what happened with Matt Jones the second half of the season. So what? So tell me then, if that happens to Matt Jones again, do you see Keith Marshall being able to hold up if he gets the spot on the team and gets on the field? Well, Keith Marshall might have some company back there because, like I say, Bishop Sankey is being shopped around over with Tennessee, and Tennessee has got such a crowded house in that backfield. You look at the talent that Washington has right now, they definitely could use another back over there. Uh, keep Matt Jones, keep Keith Marshall. If you pull the Sankey trade off, you got three guys. See what comes out as the season goes along. Now, David T., you've been good enough to, to chat with me, and uh, we're coming on uh, up on our hour here. And I just want to ask about one other guy before I ask you to throw out a name. But Alex Collins, you, you mentioned him earlier. I think, according to uh, your website, he was one of the bigger boom bust picks taken by Seattle plethora of backs taken by Seattle what do you think about Alex Collins you talked about him earlier but what do you think with with ProSize also in competition what do you think about Alan Collins chance chances 
Here's my problem with Alex Collins, and it's a problem for any running back up there when any scout says this about a guy. He runs into spots. He has no yeah. – uh, this is the type of guy that does not have that long field vision. A lot of times you see him, next thing you know, there's two, three, four guys on him dragging him down. Great, okay, you picked up another yard, but why the hell did you go that way, man? Why don't you hit the cutback right. lane? This is a guy, he's a, a one-cut runner. He had good speed before they put the clock on him. At least Arkansas was touting him as a 4-3 man. Got up to Indianapolis, and I think they signed him up there with a, a, not a stopwatch, but a calendar. I mean, he ran so slow. Well, David, I went through the, the 12 running backs uh, that are currently being drafted in MFL 10s. Uh, I threw out a, a couple more, but is there any rookies uh, that you really like that we haven't talked about, rookie running backs? No, I think we really covered it all, but I'm telling people, too, if you got a, a taxi squad or during a season on the waiver wire, keep a close eye on Baltimore. Something's going to happen with Keenan Reynolds. They did not go through all of that with the Navy and everything to get him eligible to play this year if they were not interested in using him. Okay. Uh, you know, one other thing that just flashed in my head – uh, I was contacting you. You mentioned New England and uh, Arian Foster. What have you been hearing up there? You know what it's going to come down to. Arian's probably going to wait to very close to training camp, giving him more opportunities. And you know Bill up there. Bill is the second-chance saloon. If he ends up in New England, <laughs> it would not surprise me at all. But I see Arian Foster playing this year. What you get out of him is a different story. But I know Arian, if he's not out there starting, he's not going to play. David T, if the second chance saloon is open late, I will buy you a pint, sir. <laughs> Make it a ginger ale. My wife's got me on non-alcohol. 37 years of marriage, the only way I got through were those two magic words, yes, dear. Hey, you know, I, David, I like to say I wear the pants in, in my marriage, but just for the love of God, don't tell my wife I said that. Oh, I wear the pants, too. She carries the bat, <laughs> so, you know, unless I'm ducking, <laughs> it doesn't matter what I got. I'm bloodstained. <laughs> she'll, beat me like, the... she'll beat me like a seal. <laughs> I hear you. We'll, we'll be in a support group together, brother. Well, I tell you, though, uh, <laughs> one thing that I am looking forward to is the college season, though. I think that this is going to be the return of the big back if – the underclassmen come out. You know what concerns me a lot? We sat down. We went through. I sent you over this stuff, too, and you looked at it. Yes. Only one senior player in the country has received a round one grade. And I'm talking about at any position. And that's uh, uh, Jonathan Allen down in Alabama. Look how low the running uh, – uh, what do you call it? The quarterbacks are rated. The top rated quarterback is Kelly, and he only has a fourth-round grade. Unless these underclassmen come out in mass like they've done the last two years, the NFL opening up Pandora's box by letting these underclassmen in are going to be in for a lot of trouble. Hmm. Well, since you're talking about it, and I've been sifting through, there's one thing I wish I had more time for was to, to watch the college uh, as much as I'm doing with NFL. But give me some guys in, in uh, the next year, college, 2016, 2017, season uh, that you're really liking? Uh, me, I'm more liking their doctors than the players at the moment because of the injuries, but if they come <laughs> back healthy, you got Nick Chubb down at Georgia, who I think is uh, vastly yep. better than even Todd Gurley was. Corey Clement up really? at Wisconsin, uh, 
Matt Days over in North Carolina State, Shock Linwood at Baylor, Leon Allen coming back uh, from Western Kentucky, James Conner coming back from Pittsburgh, Trey Edmonds. When you got a 240-pounder that runs 4-4-2, please get him out on the football field. Falston at Notre Dame. Uh, you just look at the running backs that were hurt last year. If they all come back healthy, along with Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Royce Freeman, Justin Davis, Kareem Hunt. It's going to be a great year to get yourself a big back. Well, I, I like hearing that as a Notre Dame fan. The one thing I don't like is uh, how much you love the, the Michigan players next year. Looking at some of the stuff he sent me, a lot of really top-rated guys next year. You know players. what, Jim Harbaugh is one thing. He walks that thin line between crazy and genius, and oh boy, yeah. does he have some talent up there. Actually, we're already predicting the Michigan to be in the national championship game against whoever. Wow. All right. They got enough and, talent up there. And speaking of running backs, hey, Devion uh, Smith, this is a guy who only had 600 yards last year, but a 230-pounder, Harbaugh's ready to let him lose the season. Well, David, you know I like that, that region between uh, crazy and genius. I've, I've walked that line a bit. Well, I, I've been over there on the yellow side of the line. I've been with the sea guys. <laughs> <laughs> David, I can't thank you enough, and I'm looking forward to, to our next uh, fantasy talk in about a week's time. Great, and we picked a good time because my cell phone is dropping dead on me, much like me. <laughs> All right, David T., I really appreciate the time, and uh, we will talk to you next time, sir. Take care, big guy. All righty. Folks, that was David T. Thomas. He runs scouting services. He's an exceptional sports writer, talent evaluator, and scouting personnel consultant for many NFL organizations. Check out his work at nfldraftreport.sportsblog.com. I tweeted out a link earlier. I'm going to do so all throughout this week and uh, throughout the summer. I, of course, am Pyromaniac Mo. Give me a follow on Twitter. It is summer, gang, and I am hitting the airwaves, so stay tuned for a plethora of Pyrolite podcasts coming at you. Until the next time, we will catch you on the flip side. Uh-huh.